Father God, I lift up this time in the Word right now and I thank You for what You're doing. I thank You, Holy Spirit, that You're going to speak through me. And I ask You, Holy Spirit, for a special anointing tonight that the anointing of the, of the Lord will be over this place, the glory of God over this place. And Lord, I ask You, Holy Spirit, that You would fill people and lock them into the Word tonight to where their eyes are locked into what You're showing them and their ears are tuned in to hear and that their heart and their mind is focused on the word of the Lord. And that the Spirit of God, you, you enable that to be spiritually imparted into them. You know, the Bible says that people have eyes to see but don't see. That's why I'm trying to pray that the Lord is going to give you eyes to see spiritually. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that people will be locked in and captured. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, that people will be locked in and they will receive everything you have for them through this time. And as you speak through me, these seeds of truth are going into people's hearts and minds, watered by the Spirit. They're going to take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains until Jesus comes. Now, thank you, Lord, for it. And Lord, we pray the enemy tries to steal the seed. Jesus taught us that, that the, the enemy tries to send his bird, so to speak, to, to snatch up the seed before it's able to take root. And so, Lord, we ask you, we bind away that influence of the enemy that would try to steal the seed or hinder. We bind that away and we break that in the name of Jesus. All right, I'm going to go ahead and jump into this. I've got some ground to cover, but this, a lot of this is just scripture tonight. I've just got a few points, but I want you to hear me tonight. The first thing I want you to hear is this. When it comes to the prophetic, this is really important that you hear me tonight because with, with Pastor Benny coming next week, I want you to be on the same page as what the Lord desires you to be so that you can receive from the Lord. Alright, the first thing I want to talk to you about is marking. Marking a person, a place, or a thing. You can spiritually mark something. Now I'm going to give you an example because I want you to see what I'm talking about and besides that I want... Um, Rachel and Mika to be able to hear this as well. But last night, you know, Rachel's son was able to be here. And while I was in prayer during the day, the Lord gave me a prophetic word for him. Now, hearing a word from the Lord in my mind is not going to do much. I've got to open my mouth and release that word. Now, let me tell you, you can mark somebody. You can mark a place. You can even mark some kind of an object for God. It's a spiritual mark. It's set apart. It's anointed. It's set apart. And it's a very powerful thing. And I'm telling you this as an example so you'll see what I mean. But last night I had the opportunity to pray for him. His name is Lath. I had the opportunity to pray for him. And so what I did was I took some anointing oil and I anointed him. And I released that prophetic word out of my mouth over him. And what the word of the Lord, it was something to this effect, but it was that later in life, there was going to be a strong wind that would blow into his life. There would be the rush of angels as they come into his life. That his feet would be turned onto the path that God has for him. And the Lord would draw him into his purposes. And that the Lord would honor the generational blessing that is on his life. And so what happened was when I anointed him with oil and I spoke that over him and then I laid my hands on him and prayed, that word marked him. That prophetic word came out of my mouth and it's, 
it's stuck on, it's marked on him. It's on him. He's wearing it. And it'll be on him the rest of his life. And what happens is, is when you mark a person, a place, or a thing, it is set apart, and God will honor that, and God will visit that. Somebody that's marked by God, even though they may try to get out of the will of God, God's going to get them. They're marked. They're not like everybody else. So here's some important things. Now you mark a person, place, or thing. Take, you know, the Lord's Supper, the blood. Also anointing with oil, dedicating. You know, we dedicate babies, we dedicate houses. You know, you dedicate land. And words, the power of words. If God gives you a prophetic word, or if He doesn't give you a prophetic word, but you want to speak a blessing, that blessing will stick on that person, place, or thing, and it will start causing that to happen. You're marking them. Amen? Now, the person that's a recipient of the mark of God, they need to lay hold of it by faith. And I'm sharing this because I'm getting somewhere with the prophetic. It's so important that you vocalize the words that God gives you. Don't internalize. You vocalize. If God shows you something, you don't... I mean, I'm talking about a prophetic word now. Don't just hold it within. Even if you're in your own private time with the Lord in prayer, and God gives you a prophetic word in private, and it's just for you, you still need to vocalize it over yourself. Because the power of the prophetic word is in the mouth. It's, it's released through the mouth. It's not released through your knowledge or your intentions. It's released through your mouth. And once you release it out of your mouth, it's going to set something in motion. And so once you've been prophesied over and you've been marked that somebody had a prophetic word for you and they prophesied over you and then they laid their hands on you and that word came on you and it marked you, you need to remember that and you need to lay hold of that by faith. And the way that works is there may be some really difficult, tough times that come up and it seems like the winds of adversity are trying to make things go the opposite direction of the, what was spoken over you. And at those times, you can look up to God and say, but you said this would happen. And I'm telling you that your mouth reminding God of His prophetic word, there's awesome power in that. Because what you got to understand is a true prophetic word is the word of the Lord for you now. And the Bible says, heaven and earth may pass away, but my word will not. And God's word will go forth and accomplish. That's what he, what he sent it to do. And I know people apply that to the Bible, and that's absolutely true. It should be applied to the Bible. But the prophetic word of God, if it's a real word, is still the word of the Lord. Are you hearing me? And God will watch over it to perform it. Another thing about warring in the prophetic. Listen to this scripture. It says, This charge I entrust to you, 1 Timothy 1.18. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. 
See, the, the word of the Lord will go forth and God will mark you. And many times God will have somebody speak something and mark you because he knows that down the road, the enemy is going to try to knock you off course. But you're marked. And when you're marked by God and the prophetic word of the Lord is stamped on you, somebody's put words on you. I'm talking about the prophetic, but it can also be blessings. Somebody blesses you. Those words are on your life and somehow, I don't know how it works, but it's on you. It's, you're wearing it. It's on you. And as you go through life, those words will cause God to move on your behalf. There's a saying in the South that, you know, getting snatched through the knothole. Sometimes you're in life and you're going through something really difficult. And you're going, how in the world am I ever going to be able to? And all of a sudden, God just snatches you through the knothole. It's supernatural. It's important that the Bible says that God has given us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's the fivefold ministry. It's, a, it's Ephesians 4.11. It talks about that. It's, in, it's the gifts of Jesus to the body of Christ. The gifts of Jesus. Jesus, the Bible says, is the arm of salvation. But the hand of God in the earth is the fivefold ministry. And so the fivefold ministry is there. It's in operation. But we've got to be at a place to where we're humble enough that we can receive from the fivefold ministry. And I, there's a minister that I love and respect that's been talking along these lines. But now that we have somebody coming, I want you to hear it from me. That we've got to be humble and receptive to what God is speaking to us through the fivefold ministry. There's people out there that resist the fivefold ministry and they're not going to receive. Jesus said that unless you receive a prophet as a prophet you won't receive his reward. And so as, as Brother Benny's coming, one of the offices that he does hold is a prophet. Now he holds the office of a pastor, maybe an evangelist, but definitely a prophet. And so when he comes, he's, he's probably going to have at least some prophetic words. And if he has a word for you, and he releases that word over you and prays for you, you need to receive him as a prophet, but you also need to receive that word. And not only receive it like, okay, I agree with that, but you need to write it down somewhere important. Write it down. And that you wage a warfare over that word. There's a fight of faith about the word of God. See, the prophetic word of the Lord is so powerful and Satan's going to resist it. But you've got to fight the fight of faith that even though it doesn't look like it's coming to pass, you're still speaking out, Lord, I thank you. You said this. It's happening. And begin to keep speaking that you're fighting the fight of faith. But those that will humble themselves to receive from Brother Benny as a prophet next week, I believe that you will really receive something significant. Okay? Now, a few more things. This is a very pastoral sermon tonight because I'm trying to give you some wisdom, some keys of wisdom here. But let me tell you this too. Be very careful who you share things with. Because you're in an environment here, and some of you have grown up in this environment, this is all you've ever known. And if God ever moves you out of this environment, you're going you're gonna to be really shocked how different things really are out there. But anyway, this, you're in an environment here where the glory of God is. And you're in an environment to where you're seeing revelation. I mean, I'm talking young people, teenagers have, have shared with me legitimate vision God gave them or a dream they had that was prophetic 
the gifts of the Spirit are at work. It's very common. It's very common for somebody to be physically healed or, or whatever, to be delivered of a demonic spirit. And so that is commonplace. Book of Acts is commonplace. But just because it's comfortable in this setting, you need to understand Jesus taught us do not cast your pearls before swine. Because the swine will trample them underfoot and then attack you. And so just because you get a vision, you have a dream, you see something, you see an angel, you, you, know, you hear God's voice, he speaks to you, you have some kind of an awesome thing going on, or even if you're going through some spiritual warfare that's negative and you're getting a breakthrough there, that does not mean that you need to go around telling people. Because you don't understand how unspiritual some are. Okay, you saying that you heard God's voice to some people out there, that's on the same level as saying, you know, the mothership landed in your backyard. And there's, there's little green men, okay, that's, that's where their mind is. They don't, and it's sad, but they're in such a worldly, they're in bondage to the world, and, and their mind is so unrenewed and so unspiritual that they cannot accept those things. And just, you know, you go up to them and you've had a legitimate experience with God or something spiritual, something supernatural, and you go to tell them about it and you're throwing your pearls before swine and they, all they're going to do is disrespect what you're saying. They're going to trample it underfoot and then turn around and start attacking you and persecuting you and try to make you look like a fool. So my advice to you and counsel to you is to be very careful who you share what with. Amen. If you're going through something, you need to talk to somebody. I'm always here. But don't feel like you've got to go around sharing your business. And let me just say this too. You know, I, it, some of the things going on in the body of Christ grieve me. Because some people, they use a prayer session to be nothing more than a gossip session. And they go in there and they're like, well, let's all bow our heads. And, and then they begin to pray some prayer and they start airing people's dirty laundry and that grief, you know that grieves the Holy Spirit. And it breaks people's heart because their confidence has been betrayed. They feel awkward to come back to church. And not only that, but there's some Christian magazines that are no better than the tabloid that you see on Walmart shelf. They're about as accurate and they're about as filled with gossip. And it's wrong. So let me tell you to be careful about this gossip business and all that as well. If you see that's going on, distance yourself. Because it grieves the Holy Spirit and you don't want to be a part of that. Another thing about wisdom I want to tell you is this. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they sewed fig leaves to cover their nakedness, which is hilarious if you think about a fig leaves like that. And I always joke that I would have used elephant ears, you know, but you know, some people just don't think it through, you know, or maybe there wasn't any nearby. But they sewed fig leaves to cover their nakedness, and then listen, they ran off and hid from God. And that's the tendency that people have when you're imperfect or you feel like you've failed God somehow, you made a mistake, or you feel like that you're going through something difficult in life. The tendency is to run away from God. That's the flesh. You know what I'm saying? That's something that goes back to the fall of man. It's insecurity. You feel like I'm going to run away from God. And the reason for that is a lot of people think of God as this big combat boot in the sky that's just waiting to squish them like a bug every time they do something, that's not God. God is a lot more merciful and forgiving than you could ever imagine. 
whenever you're going through something in life, if you're going through something difficult, or you feel like you've made a mistake or whatever, that's the time that you need to run toward God. You need to run to His house. You need to run toward His presence and get it right with Him. Or, if you're just going through things in life, don't run from God. Run toward Him. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, look up. You know, that's where your help comes from. You know, and that, that's, the Lord is the best friend you're going to have. Okay, and so when you're going through anything in life, you need to be running toward Him, not away from Him. Even if you make a mistake or you fail or whatever, just remember the people in the Bible that, that failed as well and go toward Him for His mercy and His grace and He'll forgive you. And then another thing about wisdom is coming to God on His terms. You know, some people, they want to come to God. The story of Cain and Abel, God had said, I want a sacrifice. Of, it was an animal sacrifice back then. This is before Jesus. Abel came to God on his terms. He humbled himself and said, God wants a sacrifice. I'm going to offer a sacrifice. I'm going to do things God's way because I want God's blessing on my life. I'm going to do it his way. He said he wants it this way. I'm going to do it this way. And because Abel humbled himself and did it God's way, he was accepted and blessed. Cain, on the other hand, was stubborn and he wanted to do it his way, on his terms. And he came to God and he came with a wrong sacrifice. And God didn't accept his sacrifice and so he got angry with God. He got offended with God and he took it out on Abel and murdered him. So here's the wisdom in this. If we'll humble ourselves and do it God's way. You know, some people, they want to hang on to their sin. They want to keep compromising. They know that they're wrong. But yet they want to still go to God and get it their way. You see what I'm saying? It's like, I'm going to come to you on my terms. I'm going to do things the way I want to do it. But you're still going to bless me. And it doesn't work like that. And then it's frustrating because you look at your brother or sister over here that's doing it God's way and they're blessed. And the tendency is, is to get mad at them. But if you'll humble yourself and do things God's way, the way He wants you to do it, and be submissive to Him, you'll be blessed like everybody else that God blesses. Amen? Well, listen, God doesn't have favorites. It's just that some people come to God on His terms and they really go after God with all their heart. And some people don't. But God does not have favorites. It's just like a parent. Let's say a parent had six kids and they loved all of them. But two of the children always wanted to spend time with them. They're obviously, those two kids are obviously going to be closer to the parents than the other four. Because it's the children's choice to be closer to them. It's not that the parent feels any different. And it's the same way with God. Some people really love God with all their heart and they've surrendered everything and they're really going after Him with all their heart so therefore they're closer to Him than another person but it's their choice to be that way. And the Bible says if you will draw near to God, He will draw near to you. So these are some things about wisdom I wanted to give you tonight. Make sure that you're marking your kids and you're marking... You know what? You can, can mark something like a house, anoint it and bless it and pray over it, dedicate it, and it's marked by God. You can do this with even, you know what, I recommend you do this with your finances. 
Take your checkbook, anoint it with oil, pray over it, speak a blessing over your finances and set it apart. It, it's God's property. It's holy unto God. It's marked. And when something's marked, God's going to watch over it. It's been dedicated to Him. Alright, so now I want to get into some things about yokes. The Bible says about Jesus that He came to set the captives free. And so there's people that when you come to Jesus, you've had a life of sin, there's generational bondage, and there's things that you carry over into your Christianity. And it's like some people are wearing this big, giant backpack. You guys ever seen people go hiking? And you get this rookie, you know? And he goes to the store and he buys everything. And he goes out there and you got this other guy, this like a Rambo guy or something that's been doing it for years, and he's got this little bitty backpack. And he's going through there and knows what he's doing. The rookie's out there. He's sweating it. You know, after a couple football fields of walking, he's sweating it, beads of sweat. Some people come to Jesus and, they, and they've got all this baggage and it's weighing them down. And they go in to worship the Lord. They go to church. They look around and they see all this freedom. And they themselves are wanting to be free, but they feel like they're weighted down by something. They're forgiven. Their sins are forgiven because they've accepted Christ and prayed and repented. They're born again. They may even be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They've been water baptized. But they're still carrying a weight of their past. That's why going through inner healing and deliverance is so important. Because it deals with those things. And once somebody really goes through healing and deliverance, it's like the Lord takes scissors and just snips the um, straps of that backpack and it just falls off. And the person, a lot of times I hear this when I pray with people. And walk them through deliverance. They say it feels like something lifted off of them. That's one of the most common things I hear. The other thing I hear a lot of. Is they say they feel like they've been washed clean on the inside. Those are the two things I hear all the time. And so as I've been doing this series. Seductions of Satan. I'm on number 12. As I've been doing this. I've been dealing with a lot of different issues. One of the issues I want to deal with tonight, though, is understanding yokes. Now, some of you, especially you city folk, you've never seen a yoke. So let me explain it to you. All right. So a yoke is what, they, what the farmers will use to bring two things together, like two oxen together. <clears throat> and you've got to make sure that you don't have an oxen and then a donkey together. Because the ox will want to go forward and the donkey will be stubborn. And not to mention the size difference. You have to have something paired up that's equally yoked. Just like a carriage. You know, if there's some kind of a carriage and they've got horses there that are, that are yoked together. There's a yoke around their neck. It's there on both horses. And the reins are coming back to the person that's controlling it. And you can't have, you know, a Clydesdale and a Shetland pony. It's just not, not going to work. Okay. You've got to have two Clydesdale or whatever. They've got to be equally yoked. And the yoke, it brings two things together. So this is the picture I want to paint. It's not so much that. I want you to think about this. When two people get married, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked. So you need to make sure before you get married that you're equally yoking together. Okay, Somebody on the same spiritual level and calling. And even same doctrine. You don't want to marry somebody if you're Pentecostal and, and 
speak in tongues that thinks that's of the devil. That's just not a good thing. Okay? So you want to come together equally yoked. Now, what I want you to think about with yokes is this. When two people, they, they, they're going to get married, they come down the aisle, they're standing there, the father gives the bride away, the pastor's standing there, and they're about to go through a ceremony. Now, this ceremony that they're going through is powerful, and this ceremony is going to literally yoke them together. And they're also going to use their mouth to speak vows. And that whole ceremony that you're going through, it actually brings two people together and it's yoking them together. That's the picture I want you to get in your mind as I go through this because I want you to understand what a yoke is. Now, when people get saved and, and they love the Lord, and even some people out of ignorance, even after salvation, they can still be yoked to the enemy's kingdom in different ways. Isaiah 10.27 says, It will come to pass in that day that his burden will be taken from off your shoulder and his yoke from off your neck, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing. So what is it that destroys the yoke? The anointing. Now how do yokes come into people's lives? This is what I want you to understand because there was a lady, I'll give a testimony, from another country. And she had really been going through some something in her life as a Christian, spiritual Christian, wonderful lady, loves the Lord. But there had been some stubborn issue in her life. And the result of it was some physical health problems and some other things going on. She knew that it was demonic. She knew it was. She could tell. And she heard of us and, and called me and wanted us to pray with her. And whenever I was praying with her and talking to her, the Lord had showed me there was a spirit of witchcraft. And as I began to probe, when she was a child, her parents had taken her, this is in another country, had taken her to a witch doctor. The witch doctor, of course, had done their ceremonies and rituals over her as a child that it's supposed to produce like good luck and fortune and wealth and different things throughout their life. Of course, it's a demonic thing. It's a curse. And the opposite is actually true. So here this person is as a Christian, and as I prayed with them, I led them in a prayer where they renounced the witch doctor, they renounced the ritual that was done, they renounced the marks that were put on their body, they renounced everything that was involved. And then I had them break a yoke, and as soon as, as I said that and that person said it, you could feel the power of God hit this person, and they just sat there just kind of shaking as that yoke lifted off of them. And when they left, they told me they felt so free. See, what happened was, was that ritual and that ceremony that that witch doctor did yoked that person to that witch doctor. And just because they became a Christian doesn't mean that they got out of that yoke. See, there's some really bad, bad doctrine out there. Really bad doctrine. That teaches people that once you get saved, it's just all just a cakewalk. I mean, that's it. I mean, you, you're just free. You're just free. Oh, that that were true. But it's not only is it not true, that doctrine is keeping thousands, hundreds of thousands of people in bondage. And the people that preach that doctrine are going to be accountable one day for the people that are in bondage. 
So here's some ways that a yoke will come. A yoke comes very strongly through idolatry. People that are worshiping idols. People that worship other gods. Occult practices. When people participate in different occult practices, these rituals and these ceremonies, these things that they're speaking out of their mouth, like for example, there's a lot of occult practices you can participate in, but let's just pick on one group, but like the Freemasons. See, what people don't understand in, the, in Freemasonry, it's interesting because right at the beginning of Freemasonry, they put this hood on the, on the initiate. It's called a hoodwink, and they put a cable toe on them. And what that is, it's like a noose. And they, they pull them in. And see, it's, it's a literal um, example of what's going on in the spirit realm because it's like that noose is actually a yoke that's coming on them. And while they're going through these rituals and these ceremonies and they're walking certain ways, saying certain things, doing certain things, those satanic rituals and ceremonies are yoking them to ancient, powerful demon gods that they're worshiping. And just because they become a Christian does not mean those yokes disappear. It's going to take renouncing those ceremonies and breaking that yoke to be truly free. Amen. So these worship of idols and other gods, occult practices and rituals and ceremonies that people participate in, it is yoking them. It's connecting them. It's like a, the best way to describe it, it's like a marriage ceremony where they're being brought together. Now sometimes you have to undo. I remember one time I was praying with somebody that had gone through a marriage ceremony and it was a bride of Satan ceremony because they'd come out of witchcraft and Satanism and all that. And the Lord had actually led me as a minister. I had them renounce the ceremony, broke all of that, dealt with all of that. And it was interesting because I really felt the Lord leading me to do this or I wouldn't have done it. But it was like I prayed over the person dedicating them to Jesus and it was like performing a marriage ceremony, if you will, with the Lord. And the Bible says that you're a bride of Christ. Now, when I did that, I undid the yoke, and then the marriage ceremony yoked them to Christ, so to speak. You see what I'm saying? And Jesus said, His yoke is easy and His burden is light. A yoke is very powerful and very strong when it comes to a Jezebel spirit and coming under people's control. It's also very strong when it comes to religion, a Pharisee type spirit. And you've got to be very careful with unholy alliances. Be careful with who you allot, with the people that you come in covenant relationships together. People that you're going to be doing ministry with. You've got to be careful. Because if it's an unholy alliance, you can actually yoke yourself to something that is not of God. So yokes can come these ways. It can come literally through if, if, if people have, um, maybe there was two people that got married and, what, and they were total heathen, lived a total heathen lifestyle. And there was a divorce, one, one, maybe one of them cheated on the other, there was a divorce. Then the other one went out and got saved. Not only can there be a soul tie, but there can still sometimes be a yoke to what they did in their past. And that yoke needs to be broken, whatever it is. 
is something that is brought it's it's brought that person together with the enemy's kingdom in a yoke and it's got to be severed and broken now whenever somebody does have a yoke on their life there can be a sense of desolation and loneliness that haunts them there can be a sense of hopelessness where they just cannot see the good they see the glass half empty all the time instead of half full there's patterns in their life possibly a fear resulting in control they feel like they've got to be in control they live in a perpetual state of worry anxiety and stress they might have stubborn bondages because there's a yoke to that bondage in their life and it may result in addictions that are remaining in their life or eating disorders there can be strong because of a yoke there can be strong insecurities and inferiority complexes that the person always feels like they've got to measure up and prove themselves to others if you see a history in your life of unnecessary divisions in relationships or organizations it can be a sign of a yoke extreme jealousy can be a sign of a yoke codependent behavior refusal to repent or forgive others chronic dissatisfaction in life nothing seems to bring true happiness and peace a tendency toward various forms of idolatry they feel drawn to it or a doubt of God's love, forgiveness, and goodness towards you. Some people have a really hard time with God's goodness and forgiveness toward them. They have an easy time believing God will forgive somebody else but not them. These can be a sign of a yoke. So how do you get free? First off, you need to repent and renounce what brought the yoke. What have you been involved in? What has your family been involved in? Did your family used to be in Hinduism and they went to these temples and they did all these ceremonies and they worshipped these other gods? Because if they did, you need to renounce that. Is your family bloodline have a history of Freemasonry? The Catholic Church is full of idolatry and rituals. Different things that from your past, did you, were you ever involved in occult practices? Witchcraft rituals? These things can bring a yoke. What you've got to understand is when you go to somebody like a psychic or a fortune teller, the, the minute you do that and you submit to what they're doing, you're yoking yourself to that witch. Amen. And there's a curse connected to that. Sometimes you need that yoke broken because it's carried over into your Christianity. The anointing breaks the yoke. So once you ask forgiveness and renounce whatever it is that brought the yoke, then you need to take authority and break the yoke and command any spirits associated with it to leave. Let's pray about that. You guys want to pray about it? Listen, if it's specific, if something in your life specifically comes to mind and I ask the Holy Spirit to bring it to you, you need to, if the Holy Spirit shows you something, it's something you need to renounce. Now, sometimes people do all kinds of weird things. I've, I feel like I've heard it all. Of course, it may not be true. But just being in the ministry with deliverance, I mean, you, you hear all kinds of stuff. So I tell people right up front, don't feel awkward telling me stuff because I'm telling you, I, I've heard it before probably three times. Okay, so there's nothing you're going to tell me I haven't heard. But people have gotten involved in all kinds of weird stuff. You know, they get drunk, they get high, and they do some of the stupidest things. And then they wake up and, they, man, they're in all kinds of bondage. 
So let's pray this. Everybody out loud. Jesus, Jesus forgive me, forgive me. For, anything in my life for anything in my life that is allowed a yoke. I renounce those things. I renounce those rituals, those ceremonies, the idolatry, the occult practices, the ceremonies of any kind in my life and my ancestors. And in the mighty name of Jesus, I break every yoke off my life and I command every spirit to leave. That's not of God. In the name of Jesus. So I want you just to pray in the Spirit right now for a moment. Father, in the name of Jesus, any yokes within the sound of my voice. Right now I ask that the axe of the anointing is going to be brandished. And I speak out over these yokes. People are going to be praying about this. They're going to, they're going to maybe pause this and they're going to renounce things that they participate in, their families participate in. And on our download page, we have you know different... Um, on the deliverance page, there's downloads where people can can renounce things they've been involved in in their life for their ancestors. And Lord, as people are doing that, they're going to be renouncing these things and they want to be free from yokes. And Father, I just speak out as a man of God in the name of Jesus over every yoke on every life within the sound of my voice. Be broken now in everything associated with it to go in Jesus' name. And I felt that. All right, the power of words, oaths, and vows. I'm going to take this a little different angle. The Bible says in Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Those that love it will eat its fruit. Now, what you've got to understand is I talk a lot about this. I'm not going to dwell on what I've already preached on all the time. But you've got to reverse things that you're saying. You've got to be careful that you're not speaking negative. Complaining negative things that people speak over themselves. They hate this about themselves. Negative complaining about you know finances or about you know their spouse or about their kids or whatever. If you want your kids to turn out good, quit cursing them. Quit speaking negative and put a blessing on them. But it's it. This is a huge issue. But here's the. I want to take this from a little bit different angle. I heard this example and I loved it, so I'm going to use this example. First off, anything that you've been saying negative, you need to stop it and you need to start speaking positive over your life, okay? But there's been things in people's past that they've spoken out of their mouth, and this is the best example I've ever heard, but it's just like the words that they spoke out of their mouth have gone out and it's like it laid in front of them a railroad track. Now you guys know as well as I do, if you're on a railroad track, you can't turn right and left. You're stuck wherever that track is going, you're going. And people have spoken things out of their mouth and it's just like it laid in front of their life a railroad track that they actually don't want. But they spoke it and so it set that emotion in their life. Now, years later, 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, they desperately want change. They desperately are praying about it, they're desperate, they want change, but their life is still continuing down that course. And they're wondering, why is this so stubborn? What's the problem? Sometimes it can be something that's set in motion by what you said years ago. And you've forgotten about it. Maybe it was something when you were young. 
And, then, and the, of course, this is a great example as well. I've heard this story. But there was a lady that, and I think I shared this with you, that she, when she was younger, her mother was sick and she had to take care of her brothers and sisters. And she said out of her mouth, she said, she swore to God she never wanted to have kids. Now, later on, in her 30s, she got married and she wanted to have kids. And she went to the doctor and she could not have kids. And the doctor could not find any reason why she shouldn't be able to have kids. It didn't seem normal to him. And so he was a Christian and he knew that there was probably something there. He was a wise doctor and so he told her, he said, would you be okay if maybe I had you talk to my pastor about this? And she said, sure, because she was now a Christian. And the pastor began to probe her and ask her a lot of questions, her and her husband. And whenever he got to that subject about things that were spoken, he said, was there anything in your past that you spoke over yourself that has to do with not having kids? And she sat there with her mouth hung open and said, oh my goodness. Because she realized, not only has she said it once, she said it a dozen times. She said it with conviction. And she meant it. I mean, she's like, I swear to God, this is, I don't ever want to. And she spoke that out over her life. And now she couldn't have kids. So the pastor had her ask forgiveness for doing that. Broke those words off her life. Spoke a blessing. And then she got pregnant. And she didn't just get pregnant once. She had two or three kids. The power of words. Oh, Pastor Kilpatrick, I had talked to a guy that had contacted me from another state. He wanted me to pray with him about some stubborn, weird issues going on in his life. So I was praying with him. But he was telling me this story. He said him and his wife had never been able to get pregnant. And they're, they're still pretty young. And they were in this meeting... And Pastor Kilpatrick happened to be ministering. And they were not familiar with his ministry or anything like that. He was just there. And he was praying for people and praying for people and walked by her. And he spoke over her, you will be getting pregnant soon. He just spoke it over her and then walked off. He said, man, he said that we've been trying for years to get pregnant. Nothing seemed to work. I mean, they were trying. They were praying. They got other people praying for him, you know. But he said, we got pregnant shortly after that. You know, and while he was talking to me, his wife was in another part of the house, and he was saying she's pregnant right now. You know, there's a power in words that set things in motion. When Pastor Kilpatrick spoke over her, "You're going to be pregnant," he he set the course for her to get pregnant. He spoke it out of his mouth, and it set that in motion. It set it in motion. And I could give many other stories like that, but I want you to think about this. You're probably not going to remember them without the Holy Spirit's help. But I want you, I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, we're going to pray together, that the Lord will bring to your remembrance things that you've spoken, that you need to retract that. Now what you do is, once you realize you spoke something, see, I prayed this way, and I was surprised, because I, here I was, I was in my own personal prayer time. There was some worship going, I was by myself, I was just praying in the Spirit. And I was asking the Holy Spirit, bring to my mind some things I've spoken. All of a sudden, it was the craziest thing. At one point, it was like all of a sudden, it was literally like I was back in junior high or something. And I remember something stupid I'd said. 
And it was it was crazy because it was like I was reliving it. It wasn't just a memory. I mean, the Holy Spirit brought it back. I mean, it was like it was there. And I said, oh, my goodness. you know. So and let me just say this, too, while I'm on it. I've renounced that, broke it. But, you know, you never know when you're dealing with kids and young people. You look at this knucklehead kids. You got to understand, I was I was like that. I was the kid that the teacher wanted to pull their hair out, you know. I, I was the one that, that was difficult, okay, in the classroom. <laughs> you never know. You never know how they're going to turn out. And some of you need to remember that when you're working with kids and you're working with teenagers. You never know. You never know if it's the next Reinhard Bonnke that's in the class. You don't know. God knows. But you don't know. So anyway, I was, uh, I was surprised when the Lord brought that back to my mind and I was renouncing that, breaking it. But you know what? There's things that you've spoken. I can guarantee you, and the Bible says when you were a child, you thought like a child, spoke like a child. But now that you've grown up, you need to put childish things behind you. And so God understands that when you were younger, maybe you were younger physically or you were younger spiritually. And you did some things out of ignorance and it was foolish. And it laid down some train track in front of you. And now you want things to change. If you'll renounce those words and break their power, it'll rip that train track out. But then you need to start speaking over your life the direction God wants you to go. And it will lay new track. Okay? And let me say this about prayer. Remember Mark 11, it says, Have faith in God. I truly I tell you, if anyone says... If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe you have received, and it will be yours. So let me stop there. So this goes back to what I was talking about, the power of words. Believe, when you pray, believe that you have received it, but you can't just stop at belief. Please hear me. You can't just stop at believing. You've got to start speaking it. If you just believe it in your heart and you don't ever speak it, it's probably not going to materialize really. When you start speaking it, that's when it moves from the spirit realm into the natural and it starts happening in your life. See, I've prayed about things with Sandy and I whenever we had a need. I would pray specifically about the need. And then, from that point, I, I really genuinely prayed about it, and I believed. So, you know, so then I would just, every day when I prayed, I would be like, Lord, I thank you that that's going to come to pass. It's going to happen. I specifically speak that it's going to happen. And I thank you for it in the name of Jesus. And I would do it every day. Every day. I keep speaking it. And whenever time came, it was sitting there for me, waiting on me. You hear what I'm saying? That's the, it's so important to speak it. 1 Peter 3 9 says, Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing. Because to this you were called to inherit a blessing. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to lead you in a prayer about these things that God bring to your remembrance curses. And then I'm going to finish up this sermon with personal convictions and liberties. But I want everybody to pray this with me. Jesus, I thank you that you're faithful. The Bible says that you're faithful 
and you're just, if I confess my sin, that you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. So I ask you, I ask you, Holy Spirit, bring to my mind everything that I've spoken that needs to be broken. And I renounce anything I've spoken that is not the will of God. And I speak over my life. I will be in the will of God. I'm blessed of the Lord. And I will be everything Jesus desires me to be. In Jesus' name. Amen. Now listen, we prayed, I believe. Things are going to start coming to your mind. You need to pay attention to it. You may be driving down the road and all of a sudden something pops into your head. The Lord, the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of things you've spoken out of your mouth over yourself, over your finances, over your health, over your spouse, over your kids, over your living situation, or over your job situation, whatever. He's going to bring things to your mind and you need to stop right there and you need to say, Lord, forgive me for that. I renounce saying those words. I renounce, I pull them back and I break their power off my life. And then you need to speak the opposite over your life. Amen? All right, now we're going to move into personal convictions and liberties. I'm just going to read this, but this is a very, like I said, it's a very pastoral sermon. I'm really going to close with this, but I want you to get this because this is kind of deep. Okay? Everybody say deep. deep. But I know that you can get this because the Spirit of God is in you and He's going to give this to you, okay? But there was a subject that the Apostle Paul uses. And he talks about food sacrificed to idols. But this can be applied to anything. So this is just an example. Now back in this time when this was written in Corinth, I want you to hear this because this will make sense to you. During this time, this was a lot different culture than Texas. Okay, And so your mind is America, your mind is, is Texas, your mind is the Dallas area. And you've got to go into this culture a little bit to understand this. In this culture, they had pagan god temples. They had temples where people would go and they would worship demon gods. This was common. And there was people that would go there and they would sacrifice animals. There was food sacrificed to these idols. So it became a debate among the early church when people became Christians and they came out of that lifestyle, the debate was, is it okay for me as a Christian to eat that food? Because it was sacrificed to a demon god. So is it okay for me to eat it or not? Alright, now we're going to read what the Apostle Paul had to say about it. He said, now about food sacrificed to idols, we know we all possess knowledge. But knowledge puffs up while love builds up. So the focus is love. I'm going to be dealing a lot with that in here. Those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to. But whoever loves God is known by God. So then, about eating food sacrificed to idols, we know that an idol is nothing at all in the world. And that there is no God but one. For even if there are so-called gods whether in heaven or earth, 
as indeed there are many gods or many lords. Yet for us as Christians, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. And there is but one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things came and through whom we live. But not everyone possesses this knowledge. Some people are still so accustomed to idols that when they eat sacrificial food, they think of it as having been sacrificed to a God. And since their conscience is weak, it is defiled. The food is defiled. And they are defiled. But food does not bring us near to God. We are no worse if we eat or no better if we do. Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. And I'm really going to deal with that tonight. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you, with all your knowledge, eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way, notice it says when you sin against them in this way, you wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat meat again so that I will not cause them to fall. That's love. Let me read a little bit more and then I'm going to talk about this. Romans 14.1 Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling or disputing over matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. The one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted him. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day to be more sacred than another. Another person considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. For they gave thanks to God. Whoever abstains, does not eat meat, does so to the Lord and gives thanks. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. So whether you live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. For it's written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me and every tongue will acknowledge me. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing in itself is unclean. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it's unclean. Did you get that? Let me read that again. I am convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. 
But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by your eating or by your liberty destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. Someone else to stumble. It is better to not eat meat or drink or wine or do anything else that would cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, remember this. Keep it between you and God. Did you get that? I'm going to come back to that. Whatever you believe about these things, it's between you and God. Keep it between you and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by, by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not in faith. And this is the last thing. Everything that is done in faith. I'm sorry, everything that is not done in faith is sin. If you cannot do it in faith, it's sin for you. Everybody say this is deep. That's all right. I'm going to explain it. We'll be all right. Let me do one more thing and then I'm going to explain it all. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Jesus was sitting there about to go to the cross. And here's Peter arguing with him saying, no, Lord, these things will never happen. And Jesus listened to him. He yells at Peter and says, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. What did Jesus say? He was a stumbling block. Now let me read one more. If anyone causes one of these little ones, this is Jesus, Matthew 18, verse 6. If anyone causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for them to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Woe to the world because of the things that cause people to stumble. Such things must come, but woe to the person through whom they come. Everybody see how serious stumbling blocks are. I wanted to drive that home. It is a very serious thing. I hope you see how serious when it says it would be better to have something hung around your neck and drown in the sea. Okay, But it's a very serious thing to God when you are a stumbling block to others. Very serious. Now dealing with personal convictions. This takes a lot of wisdom. It takes the leading of the Spirit and it takes a lot of wisdom. Because to you, something may not be clean. And you may not feel like that you need to participate. But to another person, they feel comfortable with it in their own conscience. And they feel peace about it. So for them, it's not wrong. But for the person that it's not wrong, they still have to consider, is my liberty going to hurt somebody else? Destroy somebody else? There's been parents that had a lack of wisdom and their so-called liberties caused their kids to grow up disillusioned about God 
thinking all Christians are hypocrites, and now they don't want anything to do with God because they saw stuff in their parents. There was a man, true story, that was an alcoholic, and his family had a lot of problems, a lot of relationship problems in his family. And he had gotten saved under a minister and was growing in the Lord. He was doing good. His whole family began to be reconciled to him. He was doing good. He goes into a restaurant one day, and there was a a few so-called Christians there, and they were drinking. And so he says, man, what are y'all doing? And they said, oh, it's okay. And they slid him a drink. Now hear the rest of the story. This is a true story. He fell off the bandwagon and lost. Now, he's worse off now than he was before. And he's lost his whole family. They've all written him off. Do you see how, let me say it as nice as I can. But some people don't care about anybody but themselves. But when they get to heaven, they're going to care then. Because they're going to stare at Jesus. And let me tell you, the judgment seat of Christ, if you're a stumbling block to others, is not going to be a happy place. I don't want to stand before God one day having been a stumbling block to other people. Amen? Jesus said out of his own mouth, it'd be better to be drowned in the sea. And you think about sometimes, and I'm not trying to be mean, but sometimes you know, Christian women, or at least they call themselves Christians, and they're just as seductive and perverted and dirty as anybody else. They run around half naked. They're flirting with people. They're, they're seductive. And they're a stumbling block to other people. They're a stumbling block to the weak. I don't want little kids. I don't want to do anything that causes little kids to be like, is Jesus really even real? I mean, look at this guy's life. Amen. So what you consider clean or unclean, it's best to keep it between you and God. And if you can do it with faith, and you really can, you can have a clear conscience. You have a clear conscience. The Holy Spirit, you've asked the Holy Spirit, you have a clear conscience. And you can do it with faith. Okay, fine. But that doesn't necessarily give you the right to do it in front of everybody else. Because it may cause somebody else to stumble. Can you imagine what it would be like, me as a preacher, out there drinking a beer? Amen? And people come in and see that? It would cause so many people to stumble. Baby Christians, okay! And then they go off and next thing you know, it would send them to hell. And their blood would be on me. Because I was the hypocrite that couldn't control myself. And the way some people live is they only care about themselves. They don't care about anybody else. And that's the one thing I've gotten so agitated with with some people out there. Is because in conversations they're like, well that's just their problem. No, not in the Bible it's not just their problem. No, it's not. It's not. It's your problem too. And they have this attitude like, well I'll do what I want. Who cares? That's their problem. It's like, no. It's not the way it works, man. So don't use your freedom as a license to sin. The deception of the Nicolaitans in the book of Revelation 2 and 3, it was talking about the seven churches, but there was a reference 
where Jesus said about the teachings of the Nicolaitans. The Nicolaitans were basically a cult that taught this ridiculous teaching that because your spirit man is born again, that if you sin with your physical body, that your spirit man is still okay and when you die you'll go to heaven. See, this is what happens when you start splitting hairs and getting ridiculous with the devil. Okay? And you'd be surprised once people start down a road of deception, man, it's just a spiraling down into the most ridiculous belief systems. How'd you get there? How did that happen? But it went back to some ridiculous thought the devil put in their head and they went down that path and it just went downhill from there. It was a slippery creek bank. So don't use your freedom as a license to sin your so-called freedom. You see, the Apostle Paul said everything might be permissible, but it's not all beneficial. And sometimes you'll see a Christian brother or sister that's young in the Lord, and they're like, oh, I don't feel convicted about this, and you're, you're sitting there thinking in your mind, now listen, the Bible says don't judge them. Don't judge them. And don't be critical, but yet in your own heart you're thinking, man, okay, you know. That's... And so what you need to do is pray for them. And as they get older in Christ, they're going to learn, okay, yeah, I need to quit doing that. But don't judge them. Pray for them and love them. Because how many knows baby Christians, they're going to stumble and, and they're going to grow and they're going to make mistakes, okay? And Jesus is going to help them. Make sure that whatever you do, you're not a stumbling block to other people. Pray for wisdom and keep a clear conscience and be careful to not move into deception. Listen to the warning of the Bible. 2 Corinthians 11.3 But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray by your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Or led astray from your sincere devotion to Christ. The devil messes with people's minds and starts putting weird thoughts in their head and then they get seduced into sin. You know, one of the things that Satan's kingdom... Because Satan used to be a, he's, he was a cherub and he led worship, tablets and pipes in him, taught on all that, okay, you know what I'm talking about. Because that's what he used to be, he really strongly wants to have complete ownership over anything to do with music in the earth. Follow me. That's why it's so controversial in churches about worship. There's people that have a religious spirit about them. And that spirit pretends to be the Holy Spirit. And they will persecute free worship tooth and nail. And that's also why there's so much controversy about things. I want you to think about this. Somebody will be totally fine with you know sports activities that are Christian. They'll be totally fine. They'll be totally fine if you want to do some kind of you know activity like a, I don't know, some drama, theater. Move, making movies at Christian movies where they'll be totally fine. But once you start moving into the realm of music, notice how controversial it gets. Why? Because Satan wants ownership of that area. And so he hates it when people begin to move into the realm of music and they begin to take God's gifting and anointing into that realm and they want to produce something like Christian rap or rock or something that is going to move into that avenue and bring the gospel into that avenue. Satan hates it. And some people 
have allowed such a religious spirit in their past to, to clutter all that up in their brain that it's going to take the Holy Spirit going in there and kind of weeding that back out. Because they've been told that it was some abomination. But what it was, it was a religious spirit that is aligned itself with the devil that's trying to keep Christians out of music. Satan wants full ownership. This is good. To be protected in these last days, you need to walk through personal deliverance and inner healing yourself. If you haven't done that, you need to do that. We have a questionnaire in our ministry you can fill out and we'll be happy to pray with you. But you need to walk through it and be thorough. You need to be faithful in your church attendance. I've heard statistics. It's, it's amazing. One person was reading off statistics. Andy and I were listening. It was on the radio. And this guy was reading off statistics about health and, and uh, things like long life and, and lower divorce rates and, and kids turning out better and just overall quality of life, financial and everything. And they compared people that go to church to those who don't. And it was staggering the difference. Be faithful in your tithing. Be faithful in taking the Lord's Supper. Speak blessings over your life regularly. Make sure geographically that you're in the center of God's will. Amen? Some people make decisions on where they live on money. Well, a better job opened up on the East Coast. I'm packing my bags and going, well, did you pray about it? Did Jesus put you on the East Coast? Or are you just going there because of money? Because if Jesus didn't put you on the East Coast, you may have problems on the East Coast. You need a strong covering over your life spiritually. You need to have an effective prayer life, an effective prayer shield over you. You know one of the reasons why things are good for people to go to church? Because they have a pastor and they have leadership that are covering you in prayer. And when you're out of church, you don't have that. You're on your own. You need to learn how to have the shield of faith up. You need to grow in faith and learn how to put it up and have the armor on. You need to be in revival and the glory of God needs to be in your life to protect you. Make sure that you're living a righteous life. You need God's blessing and favor on your life. You need angels around you. You need a fresh anointing. This is the last thing we're going to pray. Concerning the coming of the Lord, us being gathered to Him. The Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 2, not to, become une- uh, not to become easily unsettled or alarmed by a teaching allegedly from us, whether by prophecy or word of mouth or by letter, asserting that the day of the Lord has already come. Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for the day of the Lord will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of, man of lawlessness is revealed. We're seeing this in our day. The rebellion is a falling away. It's, it's a large group of people that followed Jesus at one time that are now falling away from Christ. You know why? Because the perilous times. There's so much spiritual pressure that you've really got to be sold out. Amen. You've got to really be sold out. You can't play games. In the days we're moving into, you can't hold on to any sin. If you do, it'll be the very thing that takes you down. You're going to have to surrender everything. Go after him with all your heart. You really are. There's going to be an innocence and a purity there. But there's a falling away. It's important that you're faithful to God. Any idolatry in your life is adultery, is, yeah, is adultery toward God. So any idolatry, 
Some people, I'm going to say this, I want everybody to hear this, it's important. Some people, they've made idols in their life, and I've seen this, when I say I've seen this, I'm not just talking about in the last two or three years, I'm talking about throughout my life. Multiple times I've seen two things. One is, is I've seen people develop like an unhealthy, it's almost like a soul tie or an idol toward animals. Like a pet. I'm serious. And I've seen people that have an attitude like, well, people are, you know, I've given up on people a long time ago. And they have this really, some kind of a weird bond there with an animal, a pet. Now, what you think about what I'm saying? Because I've seen it, and it, it can be an idol, it can be a soul tie of some kind, and I've seen people that are literally in bondage to that. A pet is a pet, it's an animal. When you start making it a lot more than that, it can kind of get weird. Secondly, I've seen people that it's like this unnatural sorrow. They lost a loved one or whatever. It's normal to grieve. You may grieve for like a year. But if you're going on two, three, four years and it's just like it happened yesterday, that's unnatural sorrow. That's not normal. And you don't want to spend the rest of your days in that bondage. It's an unnatural sorrow. I have seen people delivered of spirits of grief, unnatural sorrow, rejection, self-hatred, all those type of emotional bondages people have. I've seen people delivered of those things. And if something still haunts you that happened years ago, there needs to be a deliverance there most likely because it's unnatural. It's natural to mourn for a time, but if it's going on for a long time, it's not natural. It's a bondage. But I'm going to close. I'll pick up this another time. But I want to pray about a spirit of rejection. If you want prayer about any of this tonight, listen, there was a lot of ground covered. If you want prayer about any of this, I'm going to pray with people. And I feel... The anointing is starting to come right now. Very strong on me. But listen, I want to pray about a spirit of rejection tonight. I want to lead everybody in a prayer. I want everybody to be with me on this. A spirit of rejection is a serious, serious thing. This spirit of rejection attaches itself to people. And it causes people that whenever you go into a room, it will try to stir up rejection against you. Also, it causes people to be too sensitive to rejection. Like all of a sudden, somebody just looks at them funny. And so they're thinking, they get all bent out of shape, feeling like that person's rejecting me, and they really got an attitude. And the person just simply looked your way and looked back. They didn't mean anything by it, but there's something there as a spirit of rejection in a person that causes them to really get weirded out about it. And they'll carry it for days. And if they ever do go through rejection... The spirit of rejection will rip a big hole in their heart and make it ten times worse than it should be. Amen? It's a spirit. And so here's the thing. You've got to make sure that your mind is never in agreement with the enemy. If there's thoughts going on in your mind about so-and-so rejecting you, you cannot entertain those thoughts. Because if you come into an agreement with whatever a spirit is saying to you, like a, let's do a, di a different one, a religious spirit. The pastor is trying to move forward with worship or whatever, and a religious spirit is sitting on somebody's shoulder like a little monkey, speaking into their brain, 
the pastor is being used of the devil. This is straight from the pit of hell. And so they're sitting there going, all of a sudden they're thinking, hey, you know what? And they begin to persecute the pastor. Listen, they're agreeing with the demonic. They're agreeing, their mind is in agreement. It's really becoming a yoke. They're agreeing with it. And therefore now that thing has a right to continue to remain in their life. And it, over time it can really become a bondage, a strong bondage. So what you need to do when these things come into your mind that are not of God, you need to be in Jesus' name, get out of here. And that thing will scurry off. So don't allow rejection to keep being an issue. And another thing a spirit of rejection will do, it will cause people to do things that cause rejection. Like they don't mean to, but they'll say the wrong thing. They don't mean to. They don't mean it, but they'll say the one thing you shouldn't have said. And then the person will reject them and get upset with them, and then they really get hurt because of the rejection. It's a cycle. It just keeps going. So I want people free from that. If you've, if you've ever felt like maybe you're kind of sensitive in that area about rejection, and there's been a spirit there, tonight is the night, okay, We're, that you're going to be free. So everybody out loud to pray this with me. Jesus, Jesus forgive me, forgive me. For, any for any alignment with rejection, with rejection. In, my mind, in my mind, if I've believed, if I've believed the, lies the, enemy, the lies of the enemy, maybe I've rejected others. I took things as rejection. I imagined things that weren't even there. I've allowed this spirit of rejection. Forgive me. I repent. Even in my ancestors. If there's something generational, I renounce that right now. Wash me in your blood. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, right now, that you'll come into my life, into these areas, and burn it out of me. Cleanse out of me wrong thinking, wrong personality traits, anything that has to do with rejection. Burn it out of me. And I take authority over a spirit of rejection. I bind you. You're going to leave my life and never come back. In Jesus' name. Are y'all just praying in the Spirit? The Lord is here. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray with them and I shut every gate of hell that has to do with rejection. If there's been a curse, a bondage, a yoke, a stronghold, a work of Satan of any kind that's been there that has to do with rejection, within the sound of my voice, generational curses, Whatever's been there, Father, I break it off their life right now. There it is. And I shut those gates of hell. I destroy the works of the enemy and I command those spirits that are going to leave people's lives. Just keep praying in the Spirit for me. Fill that. Holy Spirit, we thank you for filling this place. We thank you, Lord, for a new level. Tonight, Lord, we ask you to increase the anointing, increase your glory. Let this be released through the live stream. Let this be released to those that are listening to this and watching this. For your fresh anointing. As you're praying in the Spirit, just worship you. 
Listen, I feel the Spirit of the Lord saying that this, this prophecy, this six weeks of the Lord burning things out, this stuff is coming up. It's gold refined in the fire. There's stuff that's coming up. It's being dealt with. It's burning it up to the top. And the Lord's skimming it off. And I speak over you by the Spirit of God that areas in your life that have been susceptible to rejection, that the Lord by His Spirit shut that off right now. And burn that out. And the Lord is going to seal you off. Because it's the Holy Spirit that sanctifies you and seals you off and protects you. And the Lord is going to seal you off from that. And He's going to heal your heart. Some of you, the sting of rejection has stung your heart. And I speak into your heart area that you're going to be healed tonight in Jesus' name. The Lord is going to bind up and heal your wounds right now tonight. Move them with the Holy Spirit. There's about to be a couple new families the Lord's going to bring in here. And when He does, the Lord is preparing the atmosphere for growth where there's not going to be a sensitivity issue in people. Amen? Lord, I pray over people's lives. We're about to lay hands and all that, but I pray the blood of Jesus over every area of their life, especially areas that deal with rejection, unnatural sorrow, maybe soul ties, maybe things that aren't, you know, that need to be dealt with that maybe haven't been. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, to fill those areas, cleanse, sanctify, even right now, burn out, cleanse, bring freedom, bring healing. And I'm asking you, Lord, right now, the angels that are present, those that are present, but those that are going to be listening to this and watching this, I ask you to allow your angels even right now to be released. That will bring breakthrough and drive away what needs to go and help usher in the kingdom and minister. There's freedom. They're going to usher in freedom. And Lord, I thank you for it. Right now, the angels of the Lord are ministering. So I'm going to pray with people tonight. I'm just going to kind of be led by the Spirit. God may give me some words for you. We can go ahead and... Uh, Shut down some of the recordings and all that. But I'm going to put on some worship. We're going to.